0: Teaching's easy, except when it's scary. Myriad hazards waylay the unwary. But why play it safe? Complacency's chafe. Sally Forth, embrace vocabulary. I'm Heidi Marks Morris, and I started teaching high school in 1995. Despite nominal retirement in 2015, I've been in the classroom ever since. I'm writing a book about what I've learned in my career because I want to help others experience the connections and joy that I have found in successful teaching. It's called Teaching Matters, and you can sign up for news of it at my website, marksteachingmatters.com. I love words. There, I said it. I've admitted my inherent personal bias in this topic, but inherent personal bias doesn't necessarily mean I'm wrong. Vocabulary is something that should be taught much more widely than it is, and especially by English teachers. We are, after all, the purveyors of the meaning of this language that we all share. As I worked my way through a couple of decades of experience in teaching, I yearly refined, revised, updated my approach to teaching vocabulary until I've arrived at a system that I think, obviously with ongoing yearly revisions, is very effective at helping kids learn and remember important words. I want to explain in this podcast episode my rationale for teaching vocabulary, and my method. I think it is important to be specific and clear with what I do and do not do to teach vocabulary to high school students. First, the rationale. Human experience is shared through words. Anyone who wasn't there to experience himself or herself, your view, your idea, your experience. How do they know what you experienced if you don't share it with them? You can use words or you can use art. I will leave it to the artists, the musicians, the sculptors, the dancers, to explain how their mediums convey human experience, and it is a beautiful and wonderful thing. But it's not my topic, nor are they my forte. Words are. Most of us use language to communicate. Most of us read and write our language on a daily basis as we negotiate what it means to be human. We search for facts, we look for answers, and we Share what we think, what we feel, what we hope, and we do it with words. How many words are there to express what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're dreaming? The answer is always, not enough. How many of us have struggled with that, if only I had the words feeling? Well... More words is not always the answer. Neologisms abound, but learning the words that we have in common and being able to command them both to understand them and to call them to mind and speak them, that is the goal of teaching vocabulary. All of us negotiate constantly the meaning of words. We hear them, we play with them, we exchange them, we understand them. And I would assert that the more you know, the more likely it is that you can hope to express yourself clearly. And certainly the more likely it is that you can ex- understand the expressions of others. I always take time to explain that to my students before we embark upon the arduous task of conscientiously expanding our working vocabulary. There are in the English lexicon around 200,000 words in use. The numbers, of course, vary and no living person, to anyone's knowledge, has command of all 200,000. But The more we know of the commonly used ones, the more we're able to engage in beautiful and complex human interactions. I have a two-step approach to teaching vocabulary. The first step is morphemes, mostly Greek and Latin roots and prefixes, that I teach to my freshmen. The second level is specific words chosen by me that I teach to my juniors and seniors. Let me explain first the Greek and Latin, mostly some Old English and other languages mixed in, but those morphemes I teach to my freshmen. I share with them the reality of how many words there are in English. I quote them the figure of around 200,000. And I ask them, even if they were capable of learning and remembering 20 words a day for an entire school year, still their comprehension of that total lexicon would be a fraction of the total number. And, you know, just to cross disciplines, I work the math out on the board to show them. Then I introduced the idea of the morphemes, the roots, prefixes, and suffixes that Greek and Latin have contributed to our language. More than half of all of those 200,000 words have some basis in Greek or Latin morphemes. Therefore, if I've got a good grasp of those basic morphemes, I have increased my vocabulary, or at least my passive vocabulary, far more than I would with the Sisyphean task of tackling 20 new words a day and taxing my brain to remember them. And then we embark upon the work of memorizing those prefixes, roots, and suffixes. How many? Well, for my... Normal, average, basic English class, it's about 25 words a week, a total of 350 or so for the year. For the advanced classes, it is 500 for the year, and I need to revise that. My normal English 1 classes would tackle 10 to 15 per week. The 25 per week was for the honors English class. The specifics of how to go about teaching the morphemes are available commercially. There are many different programs you can purchase and implement, and I recommend them. Morpheme command is a matter of memorization. It is a matter of recall. It is a matter of word attack skills. But step two is where my eyes start dancing and my heart beats faster. This is where we meet words as characters, as participants in our negotiation of meaning. This is what I get to teach to my juniors and my seniors in AP Comp and, the years I got to teach it, AP Lit. Words are amazing. They allow us to express so much more when we're aware of how many options we have And they help us to understand so much more clearly when we've got a wider grasp of the panoply of words in our minds. None of us sits down and reads a new book with a dictionary at hand to look up every single word that we don't know. Instead, we plow through the unfamiliar words until we absorb their meaning or... Are so frustrated by our failure to understand them that we go and look them up. So when we go about deliberately acquiring new words, it takes conscious effort. I begin by making my list of words that I want my students to master. I give them about 12 words a week for nine weeks times four quarters, which is a total of four hundred and thirty-two words in a year of school. I give them that goal of mastering those four hundred and some words, acknowledging that is a minuscule drop in the ocean of two hundred thousand. However, they are words that the students will hit with frequency in their literary and higher citizenship pursuits. Listening to educated people talk, reading sources of all sorts, they will actually stumble across what we call the comp words, and they'll know them, they'll recognize them, and they'll be able to use them. So choosing that list of words is really important. My first iteration of that list included words like halcyon, which is a beautiful word and one of the very few absolutely uplifting and positive words in English. Sadly, it's never actually used. You're only going to run across a halcyon moment if you're reading romantic poetry, which is a grand endeavor, but not a common daily pursuit. So halcyon got scrubbed in favor of words like inexorable. There is no other word in English that captures the combination of inevitability, power, and doom that inexorable conveys. When you know that word, it is the right word for describing that particular combination of ideas. But, How are you going to learn to use a word that you haven't yourself come across in your reading, your listening, and your own life's conversations? This is where the teaching becomes so key. You've chosen your list of words, and you want to embed them forever in the minds of your students. The most important thing you can do is create a culture in your classroom that values the power of words. Every English classroom should inherently frame that goal as part of their worldview, but especially in the AP classes where we're doing college level work with language. Invite vocabulary questions, present to the students your own vocabulary foibles, words that you've just learned, Ask them slang that you don't understand and get their explanation of it. Embrace the beauty and power of language in a real and daily way. I specifically do this by assigning every student to read an independent novel every day. Now, I don't assign a class novel, at least not in AP Comp, but I do have them choose a novel to read from a list I provide of books I have personally vetted for their quality of language, their quality of ideas, and their respectability in the literary canon. There are a few hundred titles on this list, which again is being constantly revised and updated by me, and the students have their own choice in how long a book they tackle, how many different books they tackle, as long as it's at least one every nine weeks. But the expectation is that they read that book every day in class for the first 10 minutes. I myself read with them. I assign myself a new great book to undertake, and I share that journey. So we sit there and we read in silence, except each kid has a scratch pad handy. When they run into a word they don't know, they just jot it down or they just highlight it if it's a book that they own. And if it's a comp word, in other words, it's on the list of the 432 words we're going to learn that year, they get credit for it. And I'll explain that in a minute. So we read and we're aware of the words that we're running into. And words that we don't know we make a note of, and words that we're learning or are going to learn, we make special note of. At the end of reading time, we tally up how many comp words the entire class found, and we keep a running total for the week. (laughs) Um, I generally have two comp classes So we have a two-way competition, which class can encounter the most comp words in their in-class reading in a week? And I bake homemade cookies for the winning class on Monday. Believe me, that is an effective motivation for a lot of kids. And it also, I was surprised to understand, makes Catch-22 by Joseph Heller a much more common selection for independent reading than it otherwise would be. Catch-22 has the highest density of comp words of any book on my list, as far as I know. So as we read, we note those comp words. We pay attention to them. We see the context that they're in. But the comp words are but a small portion of all the words in English. So those words that aren't comp words, they get to ask me. And if I don't know what crenellated means, which I didn't the first five or six times someone asked me what crenellated ramparts were, I get to get the dictionary and look it up and explain it to them. So create that culture of embracing vocabulary as a personal and collective and ongoing valued endeavor as a class. Now, as for the express teaching of those vocab words you have chosen, I devoted Mondays to explaining the week's vocab list. It was so important for students to be in class on Mondays. Not that they lost points if they weren't there, but they lost all of the connotations, nuance, and usage explanations that I would provide with the words as we went through that week's list of the 12 comp words for the week. Dictionaries are fantastic at conveying denotation. They do not even attempt connotation most of the time and hardly ever do they explain usage Take the verb enamor, for example. We only ever use it in the passive voice, and then only followed by the preposition of. The dictionary doesn't mention that. A good dictionary might give a couple of examples that happen to use it that way, but you can't go around enamoring things. You can, but that's not how it's used. So... I get to explain, as the teacher, situations in which the word appears, what connotations it conveys, whether it would be flattering or offensive to have this particular adjective applied to your personality, and so forth. And the students take their own notes. Then the assignment is for the students to construct a coherent story of no more than two pages in length that incorporates all 12 of those words. To earn credit, the words must be spelled correctly, used correctly, as in the correct part of speech, and sufficiently supported by the context of the story to make clear sense where they're used. You can't just drop five adjectives into one sentence and say, there, I used five of the vocab words. I graded those every Wednesday night, and I chose a vocab victor, a student whose story was the most compelling, the most entertaining, the most apropos, the most poetic, really squidgy on the uh, requirements for vocab victor but that student got two huge prizes number one they got their story read aloud to the class and number two they got a free pass on the vocab assignment the following week eventually they learned not to accept that free pass because not doing the assignment really hurt them in the learning of the words but it sounds really good so we went with it and of course it gave me one less vocab story to have to grade. <laughs> Every Friday was our vocab quiz, and the quiz consisted of little stories written by me with blanks in them, and the students needed to figure out which word was called for out of the word box provided at the top. I always provided a word box of five to ten more words than there were blanks on the test and always between five and ten of the words in that word box were old words. In other words, every test was cumulative. You never did a word one week and then never had to remember it again. Continually those words would be coming up on vocab tests they would look for them in their books, they would hear them in class speech, and as this culture began to build in strength throughout the years, they would shout out comp word in other classes when their teachers would use one of those words in their own lectures. I should acknowledge that that tendency roused the ire of more than a few of my colleagues, but I think it was great evidence that my students were embracing their vocab with vigor. Do I believe this system works? Yes. Years later, decades later in some cases, kids tell me, I still use my comp words. I still know my comp words. And more than just knowing the words, knowing that they've embraced something of the beauty and power of vocabulary, is so rewarding to me as a teacher. Take the time to teach vocabulary, not just assign it, not just test it, but teach it. Make the love and use and manipulation and neologizing of words a beautiful and integral part of your classroom, especially if you are an English teacher.